on a revolution Well, you know We all want to change the world You tell me that it's evolution Well, you know We all want to change the world well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. I'm Connor DeLynn. Episode 40. That sounds like a lot. We're getting up there. And uh, of course, we're going to start with a song on episode 40 from the Fab Four, the Beatles, Revolution, 1968. This song we're going to talk a lot about today in today's episode because I think... Unless you've been hiding under a rock for the last week, you have heard about the revolution that is taking place as we speak that everyone seems to have an opinion about. The little guys sticking it to the big guys, the powers that be, and the little guys beating the big guys at their own game and seeing the repercussions that that has had. And it seems like everyone has an opinion on this topic. In fact, for the last few days, I feel like this is all that's been talked about at my office, kind of the water cooler talk. And uh, maybe it's been something similar for you. If you don't know much about what's happened, we'll jump into it today. And hopefully this gives you a little bit of an understanding and some thoughts to think about. Uh, We're going to discuss this in more of a philosophical way rather than, you know, the ins and outs of what happened and how we got here and what this might mean in more of a serious way. But we're going to look big picture like we often do here on this podcast. We're going to find that we come into the middle and uh, I think this will be a fun one. So what am I talking about? Like I said, the news everyone has talked about this week is a shift in power that we haven't seen like this in a long time. I'm talking about the Utah Jazz having the best record in the NBA. Best record in the West, best record in the NBA. Now, granted, I'm recording this on Saturday, January, what is it? Saturday, January 30th. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, something's changed, but You know, if you don't follow the NBA, the NBA has kind of changed and it seems now to favor the superstars. It always has, but now the way to win an NBA championship is to see how many superstars you can get on the same team. The magic number seems to be three superstars. I mean, look what the Brooklyn Nets have done in the last uh, little while. You now have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving and James Harden all playing on the same team, which makes it really, really difficult for teams like the Utah Jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies, the San Antonio Spurs, the Charlotte Bobcats, these mid-market teams that don't have the same money. They don't have the same glitz and glamour to try and attract these players to come. And it almost feels like As a Jazz fan, you're always fighting this uphill battle, that there's no real way or real path to victory, and it's kind of fun when you see the little guys, the Jazz, win. Now, here's the thing I love about the Utah Jazz this year. The Utah Jazz are probably the deepest team in the NBA. Now, for those of you that may not speak sports talk, what I mean by that is they don't just have those superstars at the top and then a bunch of scrubs backing them up. No, like 
their eighth player on the Jazz team is probably better than any other like eighth best player on any other team. They work together, they're coordinated, and they have a coach in Quinn Snyder that just allows their team to run systems that they know they're probably playing at a disadvantage. They know that it's an uphill battle, but they're like, look, if we work together, we might be able to pull something off that no one would expect from us. And let's see if we can shake things up and shake things, you know, kind of leave uh, the powers that be scratching their head a little bit and trying to restore some order into the status quo. Okay. By this point, I hope you've caught on to the fact that no, we're not talking about the Utah Jazz. We're not talking about the NBA today. But that parallel that's taken place this week of the Utah Jazz stepping up and having the best record in the league, I think has a lot of parallels with the real power shift and the real kind of uh, uh, way that the powers that be have kind of been turned on their heads a little bit and everyone's freaking out. And it all has to do with the stock market. You've probably heard people talk about GameStop, and you're like, what does that little store in the mall that you buy video games at have anything to do with politics? Like, why is Congress talking about this? We're going to talk about the social media platform Reddit, how that's involved, the SEC, and really all sorts of things that come into this. Uh, And uh, you're going to see that the little guys got a victory this week and how that ended up kind of tossing some dominoes down. Uh, Now, if you haven't heard anything about what happened in the stock market last week, uh, one, I'm glad you're listening. I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap here today. If you have opinions and you've read about this and you're curious, we're going to talk about this, like I said, from a philosophical way. But I learned a couple things this week as I studied into this topic, as I looked a little deeper and now have prepped some thoughts for this episode that I'm recording here today. And two things that I wanted to share just from the beginning is first off, I'm going to talk to you about the stock market today and something that I will fully admit to you, I'm not an expert in. I don't understand the ins and outs of the stock market. I am not a day trader. Uh, I have dabbled in the stock market in the past, but I honestly lost some money and realized, nah, I prefer real estate. I'm going to stick with this world, right? It's a little more easily to, easy to understand for me. feels a little bit less like gambling. Um, but uh, So I'm not an expert, but why I say that is I think it's easy, especially when we talk politics or we get into current events, that you find something you feel personally you don't know a whole lot about, and so you don't feel like smart enough or informed enough to engage in the conversation, so you just turn off. You don't become a part of that conversation or you don't listen or take the chance to learn. And I want you all to know that like, as things like, as things like this happen, you don't have to be left out of that conversation. That even if you may not be an expert, there's still a place for you to have an opinion and to think critically. And I hope this is a good exercise in that. So today, this episode is out of my comfort zone, but that's okay. Sometimes we got to stretch ourselves a little bit, right? Second thing I want to talk about is I think often when we hear, you know, current events or controversial issues, it's easy to make an emotional reaction early. 
kind of that gut reaction, your knee-jerk reaction that makes you like, oh, this is how I feel about a topic. Now, that's great. We all do that. We can't escape that. But the problem lies when you make a knee-jerk reaction to how you feel about a topic without knowing that much. And then that then shapes every conversation you have on that topic thereafter. You then listen to the people that agree with your emotional state, and anyone that disagrees with you is stupid. That often, I think, is how a lot of us feel about politics, right? Like, we think those that agree with us are extremely smart, and we think those that disagree with are what our knee-jerk reaction would be, oh, they just don't get it, right? Or, man, they are crazy, that's what happens with this extreme way of thinking. So here's what I did when I when I came to like this whole stock market thing. All, all that went down, my first initial gut-wrenching reaction was, yeah, the little guys won. Like, woohoo, let's do this. I love taking these hedge funds down and Wall Street. Like, you tell me that a band of average Joes, and I just used the episode of last week, the episode title of last week's episode, but a bunch of just regular people all talking to each other on a social media Reddit wall were able to work together in a cohesive way to be able to beat these professional stock, you know, traders that manage millions and billions of dollars they got the last word here and they beat them at their own game? Like, yeah, let's do this. I'm a jazz fan. I'm a fan of the underdog. I get that. It's exciting. And there's a guy in our office who is not only an extremely intelligent guy, but he's very informed. He's very well read. He's very educated on a lot of these topics. And I heard, without really being a part of this conversation, that he was on the side of, the wall, of Wall Street, that he was on... Team LA Lakers. And I'm like, wait, hold on just a second. Like, that man, he he's a smart guy, but what's he thinking here? So here's what I actually did. I went into work the next day, and the night that all this happened, this went down on Thursday. Uh, I kind of read more about it Thursday night. I walked into the office Friday morning and I said, Bryson, you took the side of Wall Street on this argument, right? He said, he said, Yeah. And I said, tell me why. Explain to me your thinking here. And I sat there for 15 minutes and just listened. Listened to where he was coming from. Listened to his ideas. Listened to his thoughts. Not in an argument. And I tried really, really hard to take all my preconceived notion and all the way that I'd felt in the day before and just set that to the side for a minute and just listen to someone that who I thought maybe I didn't agree with on this topic. That practice right there is something that all of us, I think, can get better at. It's something I'm trying to get better at. And I know that all of you listening to this podcast, you're probably better than most at. And after that conversation, he actually changed some of my perspectives. Like most things, the more you learn, the more you listen from people, listen to people with different perspectives or maybe a different background or different experiences it might influence the way you feel. It might even change your mind. Don't be afraid of that. Don't shy away from that conversation because you're worried that it might change your point of view and you like the way you feel right now. Listening to someone that doesn't agree with you doesn't always mean that you're wrong. 
It simply means that you're willing to listen, you're willing to learn, and you accept the fact that maybe there's more to know. And what I found after that conversation is while I still tend to agree with my emotional reaction here, I understood like most things we discuss on this podcast, it's a whole lot more complex than we might tend to think. And secondly, I found myself somewhere in the middle. So here we go. Um, I want to play a quick clip, and I know that there's been a lot of like prelude into this episode by this point. Stick with me. We're going to kind of have some fun today. Uh, but I want to share a quick clip from The Office. Why? Let's bring a little more levity to this episode today. And this is Oscar, the office accountant, explaining to Michael Scott that their company has a surplus, and Michael has no idea what that means. And Oscar explains it to him. Take a listen. Here are our final actual costs for mm. this year. Okay. As you can see, we did pretty well. So. Yes. Yes, I can see that we did indeed. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right. Well, this is the overall budget for this fiscal year along the so, x-axis. Yes. Right there. There's the x-axis. You can see clearly on this page that we have a surplus of $4,300. Mm-hmm, okay. But we have to spend that by the end of the day or it will be deducted from next year's budget. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Your mommy and daddy give you $10 to open up a lemonade stand. So you go out and you buy cups and you buy lemons and you buy sugar. And now you find out that it only costs you $9. Ho! Oh. So you have an extra dollar. Yeah. So you can give that dollar back to mommy and daddy but guess what? Next summer, I'll be six. And you ask them for money, they're going to give you $9. Because that's what they think it costs to understand. So what you want to do is spend that dollar on something now so that your parents think that it costs $10 to run the lemonade stand. So the dollar's a surplus. This is a surplus. We have to spend that $4,300 by the end of the day or it'll be deducted from next year's budget. We should spend this money on a new copier, which we desperately need. Okay, break it down in terms of, I, I'm, okay, I, I think I'm getting you. I love that clip. Explain this to me like I'm eight. Okay, now explain this to me like I'm five. Here's why I want to start with that. I saw that posted as a meme because if a lot of you heard, you know, maybe you saw memes showing up about Reddit and GameStop and the stock market and you're like, what is going on? And people were talking over your head because you didn't feel like you're listening to the stock market. I'm going to take two minutes here right now and I'm going to explain what happened to you last week as if you were a five-year-old. I'm going to make this so simple. For those of you that know the ins and outs of this and have been studying it for a while, just hang on just a second. But for those of you that maybe missed what happened last week, here's what went down. When we talk stocks, there's really two things you can do when it comes to investing in a stock. You can buy a stock. You do that, obviously, when you feel the value of a company is going to go up. So the value of that individual stock is going to go up. Or you short the stock. You bet against that company. You see predictions or forecasts, or maybe you think, I think this company's about to go down the toilet, so you bet against them. You short the stock. And so that simple description, right? There's a company that's at the center of this debate called GameStop. Yes, that is the store that you've seen in malls throughout the country where you maybe bought video games as a kid. 
I've never been much of a gamer, but uh, if you're a video gamer, you probably know about GameStop. Maybe it has a little soft spot in your heart. Well, as you can imagine, in 2020, malls are dying off, right? Like people aren't going to malls in the same way they used to. And when it comes to video games, Who's standing in line and going to a store at the mall to buy a video game? You're going to buy that online and get it sent to you and have it show up at your front door. So, trends like this were showing that companies like GameStop that maybe, you know, were cool 10, 15, 20 years ago are starting to become more and more irrelevant. So, you had hedge funds. The billionaire, I mean, I'll explain this simply. These are the billionaires. These are those that manage millions and billions of dollars worth of other people's funds. They do it professionally. These are the big high rises in every building, in every city throughout the country. They decided, hey, we're watching what's happening and get with GameStop, GameStop, excuse me. So we are going to go short this stock and we are going to go bet against it. Well, what happened a couple months ago is a group of people started seeing what the hedge funds were doing here. And now um, the stock market is a lot more accessible than it ever used to be. Uh, I think a lot of us, when we think of the stock market, we think of, you know, hundreds of men in suits on this, you know, stock market Wall Street floor, yelling in phones, buy, sell, like we have this 1940s version of what we think the stock market looks like. And most people don't feel like they could actually ever really tie into that. Like you need to pay someone, a professional, to actually help you invest in the stock market. Well, not anymore. One of the great things about the internet and uh, the internet and technology is the fact that everyday people now have a lot more of an ability to trade, buy and sell stocks like it's a game on your phone from home or from wherever you are. Apps like Robinhood that we'll talk a lot about today or TD Ameritrade have actually become ways where people can buy and sell stocks without paying fees, without paying commissions. So just like your Venmo account, like you might go in there and have 500 to 1,000 bucks that you play around with. Kind of your gambling money, like betting on a sports game even. You have a lot of these casual investors in the stock market. They don't do it professionally, but they have the chance to invest. A majority of these like Robin Hood style investors maybe have $500 to $5,000 in an account. Not very much at all, especially when compared to the hedge funds. Now, of course, these everyday people, they want to talk to each other about what they think the best bets are going to be, the same way we talk about sports. And so there are all of these social groups across social media that basically talk to each other and they make their calls of what they think and they listen to others and they take the information that they get in and they go invest on that. Even if that investment's only like 50 bucks, they still invest with it. And so there was a group from this uh, social media wall on Reddit called Wall Street Bets that saw what was happening and basically started a campaign to, if all these hedge funds are betting against GameStop, what if we band together and went and bought up GameStop stock like crazy? We bought as much as we could, and by doing that, Supply and demand, the price of that stock is going to increase. And hey, we love capitalism just as much as the head funds. Let's go make some money. And so that's what they did. 
But what came about from this, this went viral. This took place in a way that I think no one could have expected how crazy this got and how fast it happened that GameStop stock went from $3 a stock or a share a couple months ago to now being sold at certain times for like three, 400 bucks. There was over a 14,000% increase in the price of a share for GameStop, which meant for those, you know, Reddit Wall Street betters that got in earlier or were a part of this, they were making a lot of money while the hedge funds were getting their teeth kicked in and losing their shorts. Now, in theory, hey, they made a bet. They band together. It happened. It's fine. I don't see any problem with that. Well, Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, saw what was happening and how volatile this GameStop stock was and how quickly it was rising, not based on information, not based on the company performing really well or any new release that was going to shoot the price of this uh, stock up anything. It was just purely people were buying it and pushing the price up. They actually went in on Thursday and paused the ability for investors to buy GameStop stock. They stopped it from happening which caused an uproar. After these were stopped, GameStop, AMC was another company kind of similar. You'd think this is a thing of the past, but they're boosting it up. Dropped dramatically. Law, class action lawsuits were put in place right after uh, for, for Robinhood restricting trades. Uh, the complaint, the original complaint said that the company purposefully, willfully, and knowingly removed GameStop during its extraordinary run-up and thereby deprived retail investors of the ability to invest in the open market. So, what then happens? You have people from all over the world that stop and claim foul play. Wait, that's cheating. You're stopping us from investing? Like, this is the free market. The whole goal of Robinhood, when it was, uh, when it was put in place, I think Robinhood was developed in like 2013, I want to say the number. Like, on their mission statement, their goal is to democratize the free market, the stock market, so that everyone has the chance to invest equally. And all of a sudden, when those that were taking part in this democratized system that they were helping, but all of a sudden it was beating the powers that be, it was stopped. To stick with my Jazz and Lakers analogy, it's like if the season were rolling right now and all of a sudden the Lakers, the team that was supposed to win, and let's be real, the team that the NBA wants to win for ratings. If LeBron James is in the final, that's finals, that's good for the NBA. LeBron James is a whole lot more fun to watch than Rudy Gobert and Boyan Bogdanovich. But all of a sudden, if they said, oh, hold on, time out, we got to stop the game. The Jazz are running up the score right now, and the Lakers don't seem to have an answer for this. They're surprised. Time out, stop the game. Let's make sure everything gets back to normal before anything else continues. And she so had people pissed. Now, Here's why this caught my attention so much from this podcast point of view. We often talk about the extremes, the clowns to the left and the jokers to the right. Well, what's funny is most of the time the clowns to the left and the jokers to the right can't agree on anything. 
But the extreme sides, the more far left and far right sides of this argument, actually agreed. Think about it. How often do, does AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Ted Cruz agree on anything? Ted Cruz retweeted AOC this week saying, I agree with her. How often do Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump Jr. make a statement on the same day that you basically wouldn't be able to tell who said what because they're so similar? The minute something like that happens, that catches my eye as someone that enjoys politics. That catches my eye of like, whoa, what's going on right here? Because all of a sudden this isn't a debate between the left and the right. What we saw this become a debate about is the extremes really versus the middle. Now, it's funny, as you have both political parties right now that are claiming to be on the far left and the far right for, like, the little guy, for everyday people. What do Bernie Sanders and AOC talk about? We want to make things more fair, more equitable, free health care, free college education. The top one percenters need to be taken down. What does Donald Trump Jr. and what is the far right Republican side saying right now? We're tired of the elites. We're tired of these massive organizations and corporations and large government regulation that's making it so that the everyday American can succeed. In a lot of ways, the argument's very much the same. And here's where we see a crossroad with this whole GameStop fiasco. So this is why, to me, this became such an interesting debate. Because your typical sides weren't formed. And as we go through this, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to today like tell you how you should feel about this, but I want to talk about a few philosophical issues that maybe haven't crossed your mind yet. So first, I want to talk about government regulation and control. First off, the question would be, well, did these Robin Hood investors, I, I guess I should say this, like the retail investors, the everyday investors using the Robin Hood app, did they do anything wrong? Well, there is in trading, right? Like we have the SEC. We have the SEC that's there to make sure that like the stock market crash of 1929, which started the Great Depression, doesn't happen again. To make sure that the financial like real estate bubble that burst back in 08, that that doesn't happen again. We can protect our market so it doesn't have these extremely volatile ups and downs. The stability of the American economy is what we hang our hats on a lot of times. And so we have organizations in place that are there to try to help us maintain order. Try to help us maintain some regulation. Now, what's interesting, there is a strategy called a pump and dump. Really simple. Say a hedge fund, and I'm going to put it in this way first, or a hedge fund or two, they kind of gang up together and they decide, okay, there's a company that we're just going to go take all of our funds right now, which is a lot. We're going to go buy the crap out of a certain company's stock. We're going to push that price so far up, overinflate that way higher than it should ever be. Once we get it there, 
And everyone else is kind of caught on, so they keep buying too. Oh, what's going on? That thing's increasing like crazy. I'm going to go buy, 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 buy. When that happens, they sell. They dump. So they pump it up, and then they dump. They make a lot of money in the process. They could do this weekly, monthly, like pick the flavor of the month, do this pump and dump strategy, and make a lot of money taking advantage of the market. A pump and dump scheme is illegal. And what's funny we love government regulation when it takes down the big guys. We love when insider trading is found and that the billionaires that are trying to use their unfair advantages when they lose, like we think it's great. But what was interesting about what happened this week is the same rules that are there to make sure that the hedge funds aren't taking advantage of the rules is what kicked in to say, well, is that a pump and dump scheme right there? It wasn't one company, rather it was a group of investors that pooled their money together to basically as a group effort be a part of this pump and dump strategy. Is that illegal? Well, you tell me. That's a good question. I've got people on both sides of this argument. I have those that say, no, like we weren't doing anything wrong. We simply saw an opportunity. We saw what the hedge funds were doing and we saw an opportunity to make money and so we did the opposite. And guess what? We won and you didn't like that we won. Or is this an opportunity where you say, well, no, like two wrongs don't make a right. A lot of times the argument we've heard here is like, well, hey, the, these big time stock traders, these hedge fund managers, they sit around at their private parties in the Hamptons or out at a nightclub in New York City and they talk about this stuff all day long and do it and they have the money to do it. What's the difference between us chatting thousands of people on social media? Yeah. It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Where do you fall here? But the issue becomes, do two wrongs make a right? If you do say this is illegal, if you do say it's questionable in the gray area, it probably shouldn't happen again, then can your justification be, well, but because they did it, then it's okay? I'm going to go back to my jazz analogy. Say that all of us, like, we don't want to see LeBron James win another ring. Unless you're from L.A. and unless you're a Lakers fan, you probably don't want to see the Lakers win again. So a team like the Jazz come in. They're young. They're upstart. Like, they kind of have worked together. They don't have any of the advantages of the Lakers. But if they found a way to get to the finals, now I get that they wouldn't be playing each other in the finals because they're both in the West, but stick with me with this analogy. What if... A jazz fan went out and said, you know what? Before the big game, we're going to go take out LeBron James at the kneecaps. It's not fair that they have these superstars anyway. They've kind of taken advantage of the system already. We are at a disadvantage. So if we take one of their players out, that kind of levels the playing field. Is that okay? Is that justified? Well, this takes me to our second philosophical question. And going back to the song I started with, you talk about a revolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. You tell me that it's evolution. Well, what's the case? Like, where does revolution come in place? Now, the next line of this song, and I think so interesting, is he says, you say you want a revolution. Well, we all know you want to change the world. You tell me that it's evolution. And he says, but when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? 
when there's an injustice and when revolution becomes justified, can you take an unjust means to go about caring, like trying to create that justice? Do, the, do those ends justify the means? Uh, the example I gave here will go to history. Go read in the French Revolution about how the guillotine was used. The French Revolution happened just about 20 years after the American Revolution, 1790s. The difference was the French Revolution was a lot more violent. There was a time of like terror in Paris. And it's because, you know, basically what happened at the time, the French people were fed up with the king, the queen, and the rest of the nobles in France. The taxes were high. The money seemed to go towards funding like massive parties at their palaces in Versailles rather than buying bread for starving citizens. So what they did is they were like, yeah, well, we want to take down the monarchy. We're tired of this. Why do we have a king and queen anyway? We don't need this. We just saw what America did. And they're now this independent United States of America. What if we created a democracy in the same way, independent of a king and queen? So what did they do? They started killing the royalty. And how did they kill them? They beheaded them with the guillotine. And this wasn't something that was private. This was something that was celebrated. Between June 1793 and July 1794, so a year, there were nearly 17,000 death sentences in France. And most of them were put to death by the guillotine. In a weirdly gruesome way, and this is from history.com, beheadings by guillotine turned into a popular form of entertainment. Thousands of people crowded around the killing machine to watch as enemies of the state were killed. Several songs, jokes, and poems were created to honor the ceremony. Vendors sold souvenirs and pamphlets to bystanders, and there was even a restaurant close by called the Cabaret de la... Uh, man, I'm not good at French. The Cabaret de la Guillotine that spectators could visit before or after the public beheadings for a bite to eat. Now, obviously I'm not comparing the seriousness here. This is a huge exaggeration. But my point is... Can you take down a system in this way? Like the result of the French Revolution, yeah, they did create a democracy that still stands today. They did overthrow their monarchy. But at what cost? Was that just in the way it was done? And so we've got to be really careful when we talk about an argument like this. Like, listen, I love capitalism. I love the free market. I want the little guy to win. Like, I hate regulation. If you've listened to the podcast, you've heard of this. But you know what? Like a little bit of regulation is actually at times what protects the little guy. With a true free market, we have things like monopoly. Or mon monopolies. Sorry, not the board game. I said that like it was we have things like this board game created. We have monopolies that are created. Like we have created regulations in order to protect us. And what's interesting is you have the far left and the far right right now that are both saying, hey, this is wrong, but different reasons for doing that. You've got Elizabeth Warren saying, hey, this is why I've talked about how we need more regulation. And then you have Ted Cruz saying, hey, this is what I've talked about. We need to stand back and let the free market run itself. See how it's the same argument? but just a different solution.
What's funny is in the last verse of the opening song I talked about today, the Beatles, he says, you say you got a real solution. Well, you know, we'd all love to see the plan. You ask me for a contribution. Well, you know, we're all doing what we can. And I love that. Like, okay, you've got a real solution. Well, I'd love to see the plan. If you can fix this, figure it out. But like most things, it's pretty complicated. And probably the place that we should land is somewhere in the middle. Couple more thoughts. Beware of companies that are free. This has been something that's coming to my mind a lot lately. Think about some of the most powerful businesses in our country right now, in the world. So many of them are free to the user. Think about it. Google. How much have you ever paid to use Google? And how much of a part of your life is that? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they're free. They always will be. Amazon, now you might pay more to have your packages delivered a little quicker and have your prime special VIP membership, but it's free. But as you look at that, all of these companies that are free have to make money somewhere. They all have a business model. Robinhood is similar this way. Robinhood is free. They don't charge commissions. They don't charge you fees to make your trades. But they're an extremely profitable business. You need to look in at the business models of these different companies and explain a lot of what they do. And what's hard is, like, did you ever make this argument as a little kid? Like your mom makes you dinner and you don't like it. And you take one bite and you're like, ah, this is gross. No, thanks. And then your mom makes a snarky comment like, oh, okay, well, I'll make sure to refund you your money then. Wait, when it's free, you can't complain. And unfortunately, what's hard is we are controlled and we have so much going on with businesses right now that have so much power, but we have very little ability to like boycott them and put them out of power. And often what's crazy is they tend to work together. Another thing that happened last week that also got people all fired up. So Robinhood on Thursday, when they shut down the ability to trade on GameStop and AMC and a few other uh, companies, they respond, they, you know, they first weren't responding to requests for comments. So what happened is users quickly were just expressing their displeasure. What happened is the Google Play Store was flooded with tens of thousands of bad reviews for the apps, which actually brought the app's overall rating down to one star for a time. And then Google stepped in and the same day cleared out a lot of those deliberate slams and those negative reviews, they got rid of the bad reviews to push Robin Hood's rating back up. Gosh, that's scary. This goes back to the whole censorship argument I made, right? Like that right there, when information is controlled, springs up a lot of issues, right? Like what you can handle. And this takes me to the next thought. Whenever I hear things like, well, the reason that we shut this down is because we understood that a lot of these investors, they weren't smart enough to really know what they're doing. So we're protecting them from themselves. Does that sound similar to the censorship argument? 
Remember a few episodes ago and we talked about the Twitter uh, PR person that said we were we were putting forth an effort to take down conversations that under uh, take down comments, pages, posts that undermine the public conversation because we know what's best. We know what's right. We want to protect people from themselves. Think about some of the arguments you've heard like this around COVID and coronavirus this year. Man, it's crazy how this little story right here just has so many other parallels philosophically to what we're seeing in our country right now. The minute I hear like, oh, hey, we know what's best for you. We're smarter. So like we're going to protect you. That sends all my little sensory alarm bells off in my head like uh, something may be up. The last point I want to make, a big part of this argument that I don't think is being talked about enough, and this was actually a part of my conversation with Bryson at the office who was more on the side of Wall Street. He said, the real problem here is financial literacy, is that I think in a lot of ways right now, we have people that know less than ever before, but think they know more than ever before. We're going to jump into this actually in a few episodes. I've got an interview with a gentleman named Jeff Calais coming up that I'm so excited for. But we're going to talk about the way like we as Americans get our news. And I think the same things here. Like 50 years ago, if you wanted to be informed, you had to read the newspaper daily. You probably had to watch the Sunday morning like political shows and maybe watch the nightly news to stay. You had to actively stay engaged to feel informed or educated. Well, today, to feel informed, heck, you could get on Instagram for two minutes a day. Scroll through your feed, see some headlines. You can flip over to your Apple News at the start of the day, see a few of the you know, main lines of what they're saying. Oh, yeah, I got, I got a gist. We get our news and sound bites. And we also hang out in an echo chamber where we get news from people that tend to agree with us and have an agenda and ultimately agrees with what we want to feel about a situation. What's similar is in the same way we get our news from snippets and sound bites, and then we feel like we really know what's going on and everyone that disagrees with us has no clue. Same thing happens with the stock market and financial literacy. Why aren't we taught, especially in college, but in high school, about financial literacy in this country? Why don't we know about the stock market? Like this is where the democratization of the free market comes into play. We're failing our future generations when we don't allow those types of conversations to be commonplace. We get our financial news in snippets and sound bites. And even though I hate that argument of like, hey, we know what's best for you. We know what's right. Honestly, there's some truth to that. A lot of these people that went out and bought GameStop did it because they saw a cool hashtag. It went viral. They saw Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk tweet about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm in. We're sticking it to the man. Here we go. The revolution starts today. And guess what? Those people that relate to the game, those people that bought it three to $400, they're going to lose a lot of money because they didn't know what they were doing. But then my question is, well, why don't we just let them lose Anyway, like, hey, talking about the Jazz right now, the Jazz are in first place. That's exciting. But guess what? They're not going to win the championship. Yeah, that hurts my soul to say. I get it. But like, 
they're not going to win at the end of the day anyway. Like I look at what's happening at GameStop. Why don't we teach maybe a lesson to these people and then let them feel like, hey, you're there's probably only going to be a few in this Reddit wall group that actually end up making money. So do you step in and protect them or do you let them learn that and maybe learn the lesson of financial literacy the hard way? Like that's a tough question to answer. So I've gone through a lot of thoughts here today. To me, I think this is a really good like case study of being willing to listen to the other side, of realizing how complex things are and educating yourself. I can't believe now, like one of the reasons I care so much about talking about history on this podcast is because I think since we know our history less and less and because we know things in snippet and sound bites in the same way when it comes to our history, like we forget, like we have people who are really talking about socialism, like close to communism in our country right now and forgetting like, guess what? That's never worked. And it's failed for the same reason every time. If you knew your history, you'd realize like, hey, Bernie bros, there's some issues there. Now I know I just called out the Bernie bros and I know I've got an upcoming guest that is probably going to take issue with that comment I just made. I get it, right? But what can we learn from the French Revolution that applies to this. Uh, you say you want a revolution. Hey, me too. We all want to change the world. You tell me that it's evolution. You're right. The world's evolving. The stock market, technology, the internet, social media has changing all of us on a day-to-day. -day. It's evolution. But you say you got a real solution. Well, you know, we'd all love to see the plan. And if you're asking me for a contribution, I'm going to do all I can. Yeah, we just finished with full-on Beatles lyrics tying in like crazy. Man, I love music. I love the Beatles. And that was a fun way to episode to end episode 40 from the Fab Four. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts on this topic. And until next time, clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Good luck, everybody. And go jazz. Bounds to the left of me, jokers to the right.